feel like I don't know what's wrong and don't care what's right Right? And I ain't saying that it's you Just saying time to think of myself more than I What's going on everybody? Thank you guys again for tuning in to a new episode of Change the Subject I'm your host, BJ You can follow BJ on Twitter at DergoBJ That is D-E-R-G-O-B-J on Twitter And if you would like to follow the show You can follow the show on Instagram at the subject change this has been what 16 episodes at this point so we're on number 16 which seems like we should be a lot further than that for all of the content that i have been releasing but as far as change the subject goes it is just 16 um thank you guys for listening i have a amazing show and i have a returning guest this is the only person i think that has been on change the subject twice so um, I'm privileged that he keep doubling back for his brother <laughs> to talk this shit that we talk. I got CEO Hayes from the Breaks Media, the Breaks Radio, the Awakened Soul, the Unruly Creatives. Like, what else is there to add to your name? <laughs> we keep talking about all the shit you do. <laughs> I do What's too good, much, bro? bro? What's going on, man? I'm happy to be here. I yes. always love listening to Change the Subject. So, uh, you know, I told you, anytime you need me on, I'm on. Yeah, man. It seemed like we can only have these conversations with each other. Well, at least for me, because I can't find anybody that can open their mind capacity this far. So I'm like, damn, I got to get bro. So this is one of them ones where we get to really delve in. But um, how has everything been so far? You've been doing quite a bit. What's on the plate for you at this current moment? okay so um we just just did afros and audio but coming up we got live show in july a podcast festival and a film festival in august as you know um also right, right. yeah like uh i'm, I'm doing a, um a po- another podcast convention in st louis also in august so august the end of july august is gonna be a busy ass time for me um also uh scoop grady from the inside scoop they have their live show of uh, the third weekend in July. No, second weekend right. in July. Second yeah, so weekend, it's, it's, I believe. Yep, yep, yeah, yep. it's going to be a busy a, a busy two months. It's going to be wild. But, you know, I love doing this, honestly. And uh, I owe it to you that I'm getting out more because, you know, me and you had that conversation. And you said, you, you phrased it as, you got to get out the crib. And we, were, we weren't even talking about me at the time. But you saying that made me realize, all right, all right, if we're going to be if we're gonna be saying that to other people, I got to make sure I'm doing it myself. So, I've been really oh, yeah. trying to do it. Oh, more. yeah. It's been, I mean, it's been great to, um, you know, definitely get the brand around. I think Breaks Media has, like, grown exponentially since we've all come together. And I think that it's going to grow even more now that we get to, like, shake hands and really connect with the people. Um, It's going to be a lot of stuff. I know that you have a lot on your end. And even with me kind of moving around to um do the same thing. Um, doing you know pie connection that's in october um, supporting a couple of the peers it's a couple of shows i'm gonna pop up at that i can't mention because they haven't announced them yet but um september is going to be an amazing month for breaks media a couple of people have some things going on and then uh in august we're going to be connecting with the indiana uh podcasters for the yeah. um tools for um teachers and um, it's going to be an amazing thing going on out there, too. So you're going to see breaks everywhere. We might not be in the same room all the time, but we definitely moving with the same accord and agenda. So um, 
I'm trying to match you. You know, I, I can't do everything that you do, but <laughs> I'm definitely trying to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you, you're there, bro. Like, it's, it's funny because it's, um, like, really, when you think about it, like, me and you, we always say that we're kind of the same and different, but our motor is 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 both the same and like the way we look at the world is is very much similar uh mm -hmm. and so it, it 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 it's good to like build something and to see it in only seven months really become what it's become already like there's uh for example i saw somebody put on it's somebody that i didn't even know listen uh they took a screenshot of their uh ballot for a pod connection like they have the little awards or whatever and they put and best podcast network is one of them and they put the breaks media like it, 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 it seeing that for people to in seven months to think that we're the best podcast network even no matter how, how many other ones they listen to for them to just say that and we've only been around seven months touches me in a way like it's amazing and let you know that we're on the right track absolutely absolutely and i really think it matters more because it's coming from our peers versus yeah. you know outside entities that's really important to me is that the peers respect it that they can look up to you and say okay this is something that i can model myself after i want to be very much a part of what you're doing like some people some people just really raise the level of expectations for the goals that we set you know like i i know that we've you know been back and forth about different things that we're going to do that's going to really shake things up a little bit and I don't even think that people understand how hard we work just because of the support we get. Like it makes me want to really delve in and go harder. So I love it. I really do. And um, I'm just grateful for everything that the breaks has been doing for me personally and what we can potentially do for everybody that's aligned with the crew. So it's going to be a great year for us. But, sir, I have <laughs> some shit to talk right. to you about <laughs> but you know how we start the show off we're going to start it off with q a and a now i debated on whether or not i was going to do q a and a with you again because you already done it but i had some really good questions to come about that i could make fit you so we're going to get into it for a second time so you ready for the question sir let's do it <laughs> all right number one we are going to play a variation of Fuck, Mary Kill called Sad Chick, Wifey, or Baby Mama. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which title would these three women be? Hype Williams, Christian of De Dem Chakras, or Trail of the Team? <laughs> you would pick those three. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. Um. Ah, uh, Jesus. All right. Uh, let's let's start off. What, what, what was it? Side chick, baby mama, and wifey. Side chick, wifey, baby mama. Okay. Jesus. Uh. Yes, sir. Jesus. All right. Um. <laughs> side chick uh, would definitely be Christian, only because. Like a side chick is supposed to be the one that you call and just be like, look, this is what I need done. And they do it. I have no doubts that Christian, if I was like, look, I need you to go punch somebody in the face or cut them. It would be no questions asked. So, yeah, that's that's her. Yep. That's yeah. her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she and, and, and she she'd get their chakras aligned while doing it. So. Oh, um, yeah. Right. Great answer. <laughs> great answer. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, baby mama, jeez. 
trail only because a genetically i know the baby would be beautiful um she's a great mother and she wouldn't cause any drama she wouldn't be the baby mama that would cause like to try to ruin your life so yeah and oh then, you cleaned hype. that one up yeah i know right <laughs> <laughs> um hype uh wifey only because hype would you know you want your wifey to be your ace to be a goon somebody to be foolish with you sometimes not foolish in a negative way but to cut up with you and yeah that'll be hype uh right like that's the road dog that's the one who you you never have to question loyalty and she lets you know how how you how she feels um so yeah that that that'll be the jesus man you got me sweating we only been recording for nine minutes <laughs> i'm sweating already <laughs> Ah uh, man, you did all right. You know what I'm saying? You didn't do too bad. All right, number two. If you had to deal with one issue in terms of a woman's feet, which would you choose? Long toenails with sensitive skin underneath, or corns or bunions that leave dents in the toes of her heels? Oh, long toenails all day, only because those can be cut. The bunions and the corns like that, nah, that listen, I'd rather chop off a foot than <laughs> <laughs> all right number three is name five flavors you would enjoy most to taste when you eat a girl Ooh, oh like like fruit flavors like actual food what hey whatever flavors you you can deal with jesus uh man i don't that's that's a weird question bj where the hell do you be doing to come up with this <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh jeez. Oh man. Um pineapple. Uh alright. All right. Uh pineapple. Shit, nothing. Can we say nothing as a flavor? Like jeez. Um <laughs> Hey. Hey, real shit. That's a flavor. That is exactly. a flavor. Exactly. Nothing. Um <laughs> Blessings. <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm just pulling shit out. Uh, cherry and strawberry. Bam, there you go. Five. Alright, we'll let you we'll let you slide. That was only technically three, but we'll let you slide with them three. Alright. So number four is who would you take a one million dollar check from without question? Suge Knight, R. Kelly, or Donald Trump? Whew. Um shit. Without question? Without question. Hey, R. Kelly's is gonna bounce. R. Kelly's is gonna bounce. Suge, there's no such thing as no questions with Suge. Donald Trump, there may be questions, but look, after that ball spot shit from the Fourth of July parade, I don't want to hear nothing from him. So I'll take it from Donald Trump, and I'll use it, and I'll immediately put that into his competitor. That's what I do. Oh, real shit, real shit. Okay, yeah. number five is if you had to take a woman on a date with only thirty dollars, what would that date consist of? All right, first, this is the thing. First, you got to hit up Groupon, right? That'll be the first thing. Usually. Zip lining okay. is right around that. So they have this thing here. It's a zip line tour where you actually do four different zip lines. And so that's that's what I do. That way afterwards you'd be so exhilarated and shit that, you know, if I if we gotta eat noodles afterwards, it'll be alright. So there you go. Alright, real shit, real shit. <laughs> and, and that's not a common date. So that's lit. Okay, so number six is considering that Avery calls you cocky and conceited. Oh, Which geez. do you do the most without thinking and keep it trail? Do you look at yourself in the mirror consistently throughout the day 
or do you take selfies and thirst traps at random points at work to post throughout the week on social media Oh, uh, definitely the latter. Uh, I, the thirst traps, like I, I got them stored up, you know, just in case. Because what you got to do is you have to take them. Because you know you had an in between week where you, or you may not be able to hit the barbershop like you want to. So you pre take some, Real so you shit. still got ammunition for that week, for that for that week. So yeah, 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 savage, nigga. You are <laughs> savage. And we just gonna we gonna go into. I never get anybody that takes the alternative, but we gonna ask anyway. Okay, the alternative question is How would you prefer to be knocked out? Unconscious for six months to wake up remembering nothing before the punch, or knocked out with no idea of your present goals to continue moving forward once you regain consciousness? The first one, because I can forget six months. I don't want to ever forget my goals. Mm. Okay, okay. I could make up six months. Like, yeah, I could make yeah, up six months. Yeah, I, you made a point. Yeah, my goals that they into they're too important. I would never want to. Hey, I don't think I could forget them. But but just because of the way you phrased the question, if it, if that was the only option, is I'm going to forget my goals for sure? Then nah, I'm I'm never gonna never gonna give up my goals to forget those. Right, real shit, real shit. All right, so there you have it. That was Q A and A for CEO Hayes. That was the toughest one out of everybody. Shit. Yeah, that's just wild, bro. Man, that's just wild. Hopefully they beef up because I need them to be just as intense as that one. <laughs> but um, we gonna have one of those, you know, BJ and Hayes conversations today. And um, interesting enough, the idea of today's conversation came from a conversation I was having with a young lady. Which these random conversations always happen when I'm just like out and about at work and I'm like servicing customers. And a young lady was asking me a question about men and their attraction level. And the question that she asked me was, what about um, what about women over 30 tends to change for men to where the attraction shifts? And in my opinion. I didn't think that it was really possible. I just felt like either he likes you or he doesn't because I'm thinking of the way that I look at, you know, my lady who, you know, we're in our thirties and I still very much find my lady attractive. So I didn't Mm -hmm. think like that was even a possibility until I began to dig in myself. And what I realized is it's very much possible for you to lose a certain level of attraction because we don't realize what, this particular part of our lives are well our life is and um i titled this the mid-love crisis right now this is how can we put this i mean this it's a comparison to the mid-life crisis which of course we know is like the emotional breakdown or the crisis of identity you know when a person gets to a certain point of middle age and you see the different like spells and the different like symptoms of it. Like they crave intense amounts of attention, respect, affection, whether that be from an old or new partner. Um, They feel sad, blue, unhappy, miserable at random times. And you even see signs of depression. But the difference between the mid love crisis and the mid life crisis is that the mid love crisis is a, a period where, you kind of like reestablish 
every standard you once believed you had in terms of love and every new standard that you created for yourself is more productive. But despite how productive it may be, it still yields you the same results as the old standards have bought you. So that's what I kind of want to talk to you about. So okay. just off of what you heard me say, what comes to mind when you think of a potential mid love crisis? Hmm. I would think that that would include like feeling like, why don't you have what you thought you were going to have as in wife, kids, um, feeling like maybe you're not good enough feeling like maybe it's, it's your attitude. It's your body. It's, it's something missing a gap missing love wise relationship wise that you are now searching for. At least that's, that's kind of where my mind went to at first. Okay. That's typically what it is. It's a part of what it is. Um, it's that period where you feel like at this particular point in time, you've leveled up completely, but you're still very much unhappy because your new standards, they tend to bring on a completely new set, a completely new set of causes and effects. And in this case, doing better didn't change the outcome. So I kind of want to go into some examples of what a mid love crisis can actually be. And we're going to talk about ways for men to overcome or survive the crisis because this is okay. part of the reason why i think men get to this point where they know that they're ready for love but they're still hesitant to make the necessary steps so um the mid-love crisis typically starts in your late 20s and early 30s this is pretty much after you finish playing the field you've dissolved your whole phase and are completely looking for something different You've experienced just about everything you can imagine with your preferences of the past and everything you recollect of your standards from the past seems to produce a sour taste in your mouth. Now, when we talk as men, that's usually that conversation where you had like a certain preference and you had a certain type of girl you would pick. But no matter how much of that preference was conducive to your personality and your actual taste level, it still really didn't yield you the results that you felt like it was supposed to bring you. Have you ever been in that position where your type is like not even your type after so long? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I used to, I used to say this all the time. I was at a point to where if she wasn't yellow, I wasn't looking at her. Um, mm, mm. Yeah, like honestly, and I it, I had to get older to to start appreciating the beauty that is dark skinned women. And it wasn't ever the fact that I thought that they were less than. It's just that that was my preference. I can I can't even tell you why I had that preference um, initially, but I don't know if it was like music videos. You know, they always de de depict the beautiful light skinned woman. I don't know what it was. It, 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 honestly, I, I can't put my finger on it. But literally, from like thirteen, it was. If she wasn't yellow, I wasn't looking at her. And again, you, you, you start realizing like, why, why, why do I have, I started thinking, why do I have this stigma? Why do I, why do I have that? That's what somebody has to be is high yellow. And one for, I don't know what it was that clicked, but it was like one of my first um, serious relationships. She was about as black as you can get. 
And it's funny because if it would have been six months early in my life, I would have never looked at her. Um, so it just it, it's that that preference. It honestly just went away, honestly, over time. And I just had to think, like, what what are you doing, bro? But, yeah, that's, that's where I was for a very long time. And you actually just uh, walked us into like the first example, which um, it's not totally what you said, but it's um, a derivative of this uh, particular example where you realize as a man, you never really loved a woman for who she was. You loved her based on exactly. her meeting your standards, like your preferences were more so based on your image of vain perfection or at least what you believe to be perfect to you. So now that you encounter a woman who is much more of a perfect fit for you as an individual, but she bears no resemblance to the engraved images of your perfection, your ideals become a kind of a distraction to her qualities, the the pureness, the the peace, the um, the homemaker, all of these different things that kind of exist within this woman. And you completely miss the idea of her true beauty. And um, that's a mid love crisis for most men, because when you look back over your choices and you realize that you could have potentially missed a goddess a few times, like you've been in a position to where a goddess has been sent to you more than twice, more than three times. But you've continually focused on your preference and your preference at no point ever was a fulfillment or a completion to you as a person like those are moments as an adult man where you begin to doubt yourself and the more you have these experiences as an adult male it tends to make you fall back into some of the same habits of the old person you used to be before the crisis even hit so in my mind i would think that when you get to a situation like that how do well, no, I was getting ready to like I was getting ready to make a statement versus asking a question. The question I would ask is, how would you as a man go about redefining standards without necessarily like stepping out and taking action to the standards prematurely? Because I think that now that you've come to the understanding of what you were doing wrong as a as a young or immature male, you would have to develop a new approach because i'm pretty sure some of those darker complected women are going to have certain senses when they encounter you so how would you approach taking the new direction as a man now that you realize that it was possible colorism that affected your taste level you say when you say my approach you mean as in if i was to approach them yeah now that you realize that okay there's actually some, you know, true and pure beauty in all complexions of women versus just singling out the ones that you were like comfortable with dating. Now that okay. you've like embraced the darker complected woman, like what is the approach going forward? Because initially, if you just so happen to run into somebody that you may have made a first impression to, how would you change that impression now that you know better? Um, I mean... I think is the key thing is, is is you have to pay attention and focus on serving the person that's in front of you. I think that's where so many okay. people get caught up in their preferences, or if they're doing this or if they're doing that. You have to serve and get to know the person that's in front of you. You have to look past any any preconceived notions you have. 
um, any preconceived notions that may have been placed upon you by society, by your friends, by your family, your upbringing. You have to get to know the person that's in front of you. Um, so many of us, we will judge people outside of just in whatever situation based off how they look. And most of the times, really, when you think about that, you're really just putting your own preconceived thoughts into it you're not really you're not judging them just based off how you look you're more so judging them off what that look means to you rather than what that means to that person so i think that that's that's the key thing to, to focus on is serving and getting to know the person that the, the human that's inside that's in front of you okay now in that case where like you're serving the person in front of you there is a sense of newness that you have to awaken your senses or your soul to like how do you go about awakening the senses to be able to take in the person that of course you really didn't have the the audacity to step up and try to get to know or bond or even experience how do you take in newness without being offensive because sometimes i think what ends up happening and at least for me because it has happened to me before i've wanted to step up and be ready for something different but the approach was dated or maybe um, a little bit contrary to where this particular person is since um, things have changed and all of the, the time that I probably lacked or didn't step forward to make that, you know, make that connection. So I want to add some perspective to the person who may have been that that particular person who only dated one type of chick but now realizes okay i want to come back to no that's not even approach i want to open up my taste levels to something different and you could have possibly um been off-putting in that situation like how do you respond to the newness of your your newly awakened senses um i mean i think i think you you just embrace it i think that you once you if you get to the point to where you're as you worded it like your senses are awakening you you have to just embrace it and roll with it you have to there's a, it's a reason that it's happening whether it's personal growth whether it's a change in mindset so if you if you embrace that and you're honest with it that's where the communication piece comes in at is that you know communicate with you have to communicate with yourself you have to talk through things you have to be honest with where you are and so if you're at the point where your, your your senses are awakening to something new okay wh why is it what 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 is it about that new that newness is attracting you what about that newness is making you is gaining your attention whatever those factors are embrace that whether it's whether it's you know i i i'm trying to think how i want to word this what what whether it's something like they just caught your attention you don't you don't know why well, dig deeper into that. Why do they catch your attention? Oh, their smile caught your attention. Right. All right, their smile caught right, your attention. Right, right. And then right. I think when you start focusing on those things, it comes. It, you will see it becomes less about about your preference, and it comes more about those the the thing that caught your attention. Like that's that's the, whatever caught your attention, whether it was their smell, their hair, their look, their face, their smile, their eyes, their the way that they talk to you, their intellect, whatever that is. Embrace that and make that part of your conversation. Make sure that you show them that you're interested. That that's what you're interested in. I think I hope I hope I answered your question. Yeah, you did. Like, because I really um, this is one of those conversations where I couldn't completely prepare for the conversation because I want us to be educated while we're talking. This is not one of those conversations where you can kind of navigate knowing all of the pointers. 
um, this is something that I really had to dig deep to find um, answers for or even questions for because I didn't realize that this crisis is very prevalent to men where you are making those strides to do better, but you don't understand that the process hasn't completely finished. Like you've awakened your senses, but there's still some detailed things you have to unlearn in that process that will take some time, even after you've awakened those senses, even after you realize that you've done some terrible wrongs to not only yourself, but people who have oftentimes come to love you and purpose themselves for you. That is part of the reason why we look at men as if they can't commit is because they're struggling to adapt to the new ideals and the new changes that are happening in their lives that they necessarily that they didn't necessarily understand was even happening. Like they didn't realize that eventually black would be beautiful for all of the things that they probably done to show you otherwise they didn't think that um they would understand how much of a queen you are for all of the things that they felt like they experienced in the past so now that they're stepping up to say okay we're ready to step up and women are being a little bit more um rejecting in their responses or they're still trying to see how far you're willing to go to pursue and to attract them again like this is the struggle that men are going through because they're still trying to unlearn old habits and still step up at the same time so um I think the, the next and, and well go ahead go ahead oh, go ahead. and i think that's that's the hardest thing and people don't realize that it's it's easy to step back and say you know just stop doing it or you shouldn't have been doing it like breaking habits breaking mental bondage is one of the hardest things that any of us will do and because a lot of those a lot of those that mental stuff that we find ourselves in it's not like it, it not, it's not like it came overnight those habits that bondage is learned or it's impressed upon you and you and you adapt it uh, and you take it in and i think that you know people who don't suffer from that same type of thing will just look back and say well what, what do you mean like just break the preference the light skin preference just break it like what are you talking about and it's and this is the thing that it's really and truly unless you've been through that and been through that same journey that you may not know uh, how to break and it's not as simple as just saying oh yeah let me just snap that uh you know colorism gone it, it it's not it's not that simple and i think that a lot of us don't even realize that we suffer from different levels of colorism um until you until you really get mm -hmm. older and start thinking mm -hmm. about it and, and that and that again a lot of that isn't even anything that we've decided to do that our parents put upon us it's the standards of beauty that are put forward in 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 this in society in general so that's just one of the things i wanted to mention go ahead yeah like um you're absolutely right because i've um i've had like colorism issues um personally where um they developed from my father's side of the family i remember um as a privileged light-skinned male like feeling like you know dark-skinned people were evil and that came that concept came from my grandmother my father's mother and um Oddly, everything that I took, I didn't really necessarily understand it, but it was just ultimately how I felt. I remember like there was a difference in the um, the punishments when it came to my cousins, whether they were light skin or dark skin. Like um, whenever my darker complected cousins would cry or would have any type of issues, it was like a certain level of compassion that I used to experience my grandmother um, give them, you know, and 
maybe that was just me not necessarily understanding the connection between her and the other grandchildren. But ultimately, I only recognized it because it seemed like the same cousins were getting a certain privilege from my grandmother. But whenever like me or another cousin would get in trouble, like we used to get like these ridiculous whoopings. And one time my grandmother whooped me so terribly that like it almost made me hate her. And I, I kind of didn't really I didn't really talk about it because I never wanted to like make anybody feel as though like I didn't love her because I definitely loved her. And um, that whooping changed the way that I looked at her forever. Like um, I remember it was a I had like a, a childhood scar. I might have been like playing in recess or something. And I had like a bandage on my leg. I remember like, you know, getting a whooping. And she was one of those parents where she made you take your clothes off when she beat your ass. And um, when she whooped me, she was like hitting the scab. And like I'm looking at my blood. So I'm like, you know, telling her like I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding. And I don't th I think she like either didn't hear me or she like blacked out. And that literally changed the way that I looked at her. And I was a young kid when it happened. So naturally, I just associated evil with darker skin. And then, like, I had a really aggressive aunt who I love to death. But she was, like, super aggressive. And the way that she communicated was almost, like, masculine. She was, like, fearless. And I've, like, I've adopted this ideal as a kid because she was, of course, darker as well. Like, I'm looking at these instances and thinking, like, darker skin was mean, evil, and all of these different things. And there was an interesting moment with my grandmother some years after that happened. And, of course, I'm still harboring this inside of me, and I'm not saying anything. I remember being in church, and I think this was about maybe six to maybe seven years after that beating. And I've been holding this in that whole time. And I remember like seeing her in church. She was sitting like maybe the fourth row from the front. And she called me from all the way across the room. This church was like a nice size. And she called me from across the room. And I'm just like, damn, like, what is she calling me for? In my mind, I'm just like, what the hell is a get ready to happen now? And um, when she called me, she looked at me. She didn't say anything. She was silent for about 10 seconds. And then she just puckered her lips up and asked me for a kiss. Something in my spirit, whether we never communicated this conversation, but something in my spirit told me that she knew that this was something I was probably holding against her. And this was her way of apologizing. And it was weird. And it was like uncomfortable because this was the only only affection I had ever shown her in life. I don't remember very much from my grandmother other other than two other instances that are like extremely personal. But. I didn't have that's the only memory that I have of her. So like ultimately when I would date, I didn't start dating darker complected women until later on in my life too, you know? And I think that that's something that eventually probably we going to have to talk about because I don't know nobody else that's going to talk about that from a real and transparent place. But that was my experience too. And it's real. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I will swear up and down now, dark skin, a dark, a dark skinned woman with a pretty smile and and nice skin like listen bro that shit is heaven so uh <laughs> yeah, i've come it a is. far away yeah it is yeah. <laughs> yeah it definitely so. it definitely has taught me so much and there's still so much for me to learn but um 
again, that's another conversation. We just going to stick with what we're talking about because it gets a little bit deeper. The idea is a sex appeal. You know, um, another one of the mid love crises is that the ideas of sex appeal begins to um, become challenged. You realize that the woman you lusted after were never really sexy at all. You begin to realize that you have more of an addiction than an actual attraction to the woman. And when I say addiction, there's a point where some some, if not all men have been here where you will say um, she's not very smart, but I'll still fuck her or she's not very cute, but I'll still hit that or yeah, she got a gut or some love handles, which could be some of the flags that you normally wouldn't pick in a partner, but she's still good enough to fuck. So now you kind of confuse yourself about what makes you happy entirely because you sexualize the attractive and the unattractive the same way. So now as an adult male, you can't pick which one makes you happy because you can't see the difference in the two. And this is another part of the crisis like why do you think men sexualize even the things that they do not attract or they do not personally like for themselves that's deep bro um damn i told you we huh. got one yeah yeah all right so you said what you're attracted to but that but they may not be attracted to themselves yeah like you know how that point where you get as a man where your lust is like hyper and you realize uh -huh. that like when you're horny or when you're in that animalistic stage of your life, there's no standards to where you That's would go. Fact. You know what I'm saying? Like you would pretty mm -hmm. much hit whatever when you on that tip and like you don't realize that what you're doing is you're damaging your senses. So now, okay, you have women who you think are absolutely gorgeous that you can't really prioritize because you have some women that you're unattractive to, but they treated you better. So you don't even really know how to go about picking the person that best suits you because you've romanticized both the unattractive and the attractive the same way. Your lust is well, not I mean necessarily even understood by yourself like by your person anymore like you don't even understand what turns you on anymore because some of your best you know instances of intimacy has been some with somebody you don't even want to look at i can honestly say for me i haven't had many cases that i'm not i will never say that i haven't especially in high school because it didn't matter i was hitting almost everything moving um but as far as like understanding the difference between intimacy and lust i think i've always been kind of good at, at determining that i've always been in touch with myself um like sexually and romantically so i've i, I at least i don't think that my senses were dulled in that way even when i was in my animalistic stage because you got to remember i've like i've i was married from a young age so um I just I just don't think I, I've been through it in that same way. So I, I may not be able to relate the same way with that. But I think that you always you, you should always know the difference between lust. I think once you once you realize the difference between lust and actually what you want and what you desire and what fulfills you, um, the, the thing you can't overthink it. It starts becoming natural because those same things that 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 the same lust is it stops filling you the same you feel me it, you, right, you stop right. being satisfied by that like you you can get up from laying with someone and even if she did 
all this the stuff you wanted to do in the bedroom you can you walk away and you'd be like man why did i even do that that was kind of a waste of time so it it, it comes with age at least it did for me um and it, it just it was it came with maturity it came it came with like i said i've always i've always been good at being in touch with me so i just haven't went through it that same way as you described it so that may be why i'm kind of having a hard time uh answering that question yeah i think um when i think about that question there's a point where you get like you get an opportunity to experience something um relatively familiar you um you have an old girlfriend that hasn't quite relinquished her feelings for you and you know that it's something that is joyous because that's part of the only reason why you two can even i guess imagine or fathom getting along so you go and you you have that experience because of course it's familiar but then you get to a point where like there's a girl that you don't all the way like but she's really aggressive on pushing up on you and she's making it known that she's attracted to you but you may not be attracted to her and that moment where the familiar young lady is unavailable or she curving you and you on that tip you might just say to yourself like okay this ugly motherfucker been on me let me just go ahead and just say fuck it that's gonna be just one of your dark secrets that you keep in the back of your mind and possibly never speak of again and those instances where you kind of like negotiate with yourself on the well at the expense of another person you don't realize that you're ultimately confusing yourself because what could possibly happen is this one that you're not attracted to could be better than what's familiar. So now you negotiate your standards with your lust. You're going to still mess with this girl, even though you don't like her like that. Like you're not going to do nothing more for her than pull up on her on them late nights when you feel in some type of way. But here she is you know, doing everything better than what's familiar. And you're not really gaining an understanding of yourself because you're sacrificing all of your standards just to get some fulfillment, just to feel, you know, the inside of a woman. You're not really gaining anything from this. And now once you get to a point where you know how you feel as an adult male, a mature male with sound mind and judgment, you can't tell the difference between picking the woman of standard versus picking the woman of preference you can't tell the difference because the preference woman is the woman that's ultimately familiar that you kind of just played around with but then the woman that may have carried the standard is the woman you don't like for real the one that sets mm. the standard is the one that you don't like so now you're confused you don't know how to navigate throughout your manhood because you just didn't set a standard and keep it no matter who it was even if it is familiar if we not healthy for each other i can't mess with you on no level i don't like you i don't feel like i'm attracted to you in that way i'm not going to take advantage of what you're offering despite the fact that you're giving it to me for free i'm going to set my standard and keep it we have to kind of be insistent upon that because we're confusing ourselves and here we are in the prime of our lives, not knowing how to navigate our emotions, not not even knowing how to communicate 
our emotions because we've confused ourselves for so long. And that's what I took from that second example of just doing what your lust tells you, you know, instead of actually setting the standard and keeping it. I mean, lust comes natural, right? It's the easy thing. Lust is the is the like you said before, you phrase it as animalistic. Like that's that's that side of us of the of us being humans us being animals and so you have to train yourself to not give into those urges you have to train yourself to hold to your preferences to hold to your standards because it's a lot of easy out there but the easy isn't always fulfilling mm-hmm. indeed and that's uh walking us into number three the example that number three holds is there comes a time in a man's life where our preferences aren't even strong enough to fight off chemistry with women we normally wouldn't pick or be seen with publicly, where the girl that the world deems out of shape or unattractive seems to best the girl in a figurative sense that is in shape or has succeeded the beauty expectations. Um, body type differences are apparent. And you know this isn't your typical body preference, but you fall in love with her internal light and beauty before noticeable flaws begin to show themselves once your arrogance or expectations come into play. Should you be honest? And this is the question. Should you be honest and tell that beautiful soul that you are unattracted to? No, let me go back. I want to I want to switch this up because as I'm reading what I wrote, I realize I want to change or amend the question. Um, should you be honest and tell that beautiful soul that you are attracted to her mental and spiritual being and not her physical when you've led her on to believe that she's been completely fulfilling? If she was to ever question the reason why the disconnect in your physical attraction becomes apparent or do you just dismiss the relationship as a whole and leave her with her dignity and self-confidence because that's important too so like when you think about those women that um that you like i said you had your preferences all your life and your preference has been like your standard you've everything that you said you wanted you know the body type the hair length the the curves the pretty much the full package you get that every time in your preference but the woman that seems to connect with you on a spiritual and a mental level is the woman that is completely opposite of this preference that you've had your entire life. And like I said, chemistry is, is apparent. It's very strong and you can't deny the way that this woman makes you feel. And you're finally experiencing what it feels like to be connected. And the problem is, is you've been, you've ingrained in your mind that your type is your type. But apparently not, because here's this young lady who is completely opposite that is mesmerizing you. You have to come to a point in your life where you have to be honest and blatantly honest sometimes. And this is one of those moments where you have to tell yourself the truth that she don't look the way your actual preference appears. And she doesn't have the qualities of your preference that you would normally entertain. But the question is, do you tell her that? Do you do you crush her with the possibilities that this is? This is like awakening, like other issues in her life where she may have even been insecure 
in her body type or in those things that you see as flaw? Like, or do you just dismiss the relationship, um, keep things on a platonic level and just leave her with her dignity? Well, the thing is, is that you can be causing a stigma in her by not admitting it. It's all in the way that you present it. It's all in the way that you communicate it. You know, we always talk about on uh, LLBAS. It's all, open communication is the key. I would say be honest, but it's all you don't want to present it as. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you dope mentally. I love talking to you, but your body is trash. Like, you don't you don't want to present it like that. Um, right. Right. I would say because because you just up and leaving you just up and, and, and ending the relationship because of her not meeting your body type preference. You you just leaving can hurt her way more than you telling her because she's fat. You don't like her like I'm just and and I'm and that's bad enough in its in of itself for you to dismiss someone who's literally hitting every aspect of what you want mentally and emotionally but because she doesn't meet a body standard that you're you're dismissing the relationship that that that's a problem in of itself but we're just talking about the communication piece right now i would say in that communication piece you want to you we we, we have the same right it's you have to you have to make people a part of the solution and to do that you have to be honest with what the problem is if you just up and and ghost basically because of the issue that you see what does that do for the person that's in front of you? That could cause a bigger issue, right? Right. So it's all about communicating right, right. in the proper way, I, I would say. Because I think that um, that's a that's breaking a barrier in conversation, too. Um, I know exactly what it feels like to to have a certain level of lust in you as a man. And the lust just can't be communicated with certain people because there's a certain taste level or expectation that you have for your nastiness even you know you don't you don't go all the way with everybody and you know those moments are difficult to explain because a woman is definitely going to ask you well what's the problem and i can almost guarantee that in some instances some women may know because they bury those insecurities in themselves and act as if they're strong enough to deal with them but then they're already anticipating that this is what it is so um i would definitely suggest that conversation but what i would also recommend is that um you be well aware of your flaws before you even address it because you can't be you can't be the out of shape man judging the out of shape woman in no way, shape or form. There is no reason for that to even be your approach. If in fact, you know that you're just as out of shape or just as unattractive to somebody as you deem her to be. I think that you have to first humble yourself and realize that you need to look at self before you even approach the conversation and when you do that, I think the words will kind of guide themselves. I think we're too caught up in thinking as men and women that our standards are what's supposed to precede us when actually our character is supposed to precede us. Because sometimes your standards are not even standardized things that people should expect from human beings when you don't have a responsibility to another person. Your character should kind of precede you how you treat people how you greet people how you like you say how you communicate like those type of things are very important but i think men go through that where they're trying to figure out how to be attracted to something they're not used to 
And I think that's the way that you address it is I'm I'm just trying to figure out how to be completely engaged in our intimacy because this is something I'm not used to. And then you talk those things out. But we weren't taught that. And that's where the crisis comes in, because, you know, you feel it, but you're just ashamed to say that this is where you are with somebody you really care about. That shit hard. Yeah, it it is. But you got to keep in mind, too, when you're going through that, that you care about that person, that person cares about you. So that care should get you through the tough conversations. Otherwise, is it real? Um, And I think we get we we sabotage ourselves so much in having conversations because it's like, oh, well. I don't want them to feel this. I don't want them to feel that. But like you, you have to have tact in everything you do. You want to have tact in how you communicate. But there's still a person in front of you that cares about you, that you care about. And because of that, you should be able to talk to them and be honest. Otherwise, it's like like and me. You've had these conversations before, too. If I if I can't if I can't come to you and laugh, cry, joke, talk shit, be my normal sarcastic. If I can't do all that, what relationship do we really have? So right, you got to right. think about that. And I always wanted to have that open communication in a relationship to develop a like a guideline for things that are unforeseen or those, you know, those surprises that you really didn't expect from this relationship. Like um, it, even in my current relationship, we talk about breaking up like we talk about breaking up a lot. And it's not to say that it's a a questionable point in our relationship, but I just want to know what your ideas for breaking up are. Like how how is your behavior, you know, and what your behavioral patterns are when you break up? What is consistent about um, the breakups that you've had in the past? Like when you tell me that, you know, it's always something overdramatic where it's like fighting or bickering or public displays of ignorance and all of these different things that should be a part of the new standard that you're setting for yourself that we're going to be mature about even splitting up we're not going to yell at each other when we separate we're going to talk peacefully even in that regard too i don't feel it's necessary to always shit on somebody when it's time to end stuff but so many people yeah, have been trained mentally bro. to do that yeah, you know, so I think that there should be a dialogue. Okay, look, we at this point where I can't deal with this and this is where I am right now. I just think that we should be friends because in order for us to maintain the level of peace and the level of respect for each other, I just think we need to end it now because it's becoming an extreme problem. Like you have to know how to communicate those things, but we not taught that. And I think that that's important. We should talk about the tough things even when they aren't happening so we can set a compass for how we navigate through those situations. But we have one more example, and um, this is a part of the crisis that I think a lot of men take for granted because they really feel like they're doing the right thing. But there's a intricate piece to this puzzle that makes the difference in how they establish relationships moving forward and it's ultimately dealing with the baby mother. So um, black men tend to believe that raising their children to be better than them is practical. They set these higher expectations for their children and also steer them in directions opposite of where they wandered in their own personal lives. 
but fail to realize that your influence is very much the teacher that develops the habits and the blueprints of their identity. So, of course, a child is seeing his mom calling you. You're not answering. The mom is asking you for support. You're not there. Those are the things that ultimately the child is paying the most attention to. But of course, you feel like because you've come up with a core study or a practical study guide for how you're going to parent your kid, you think that you're making the difference. A boy loves his mother despite her flaws because of simply who she is. But as a father, you may know some truths about his mother that will paint a disgusting picture. How would you guide a boy away from the toxins that you know exist in his mom while still maintaining the child's regard for her title and position in his life so that he knows how to treat women despite their transgressions? As you know how I am with my kids, I'm very honest with them. I try to be clear. And I think that realizing that people have faults doesn't affect your love for them. Don't Knowing that you can realize that somebody has toxic ways but you still should and will continue to love the hell out of them is is a part of maturity in life i think that you you never want to bash that's the thing that so many people get caught up in bashing their ex or whatever their baby mama baby daddy and the thing is is that there was still something in that person that you loved at some period in time and so that should that respect should be able to carry you through co-parenting um people hold on to that romantic feeling or, the, or whatever caused the romance to go away and fail to realize or remember the fact that there's still a person there that you that you were drawn to there was there's still a person there that you liked at some point or i hope that you liked at some point so right. you, when you if if there's a, a toxic thing with your kid's mother and you want to still communicate to your son to notice to look out for that while still loving your mother like a as you said a, a, a son a child's we we always do that. We always say a, a son's love for his mother, a, a child's love for their parent. If that parent is there and active in their life, it's never going to go away if you don't do anything to hurt that kid. But you still need to be open and honest with the fact that our parents are all flawed people. We're all we're all people in this. We're all flawed trying to find our way through it. Like that's that's all it is. Everyone is flawed. Everyone has their insecurities. Everyone has their issues. Your parents aren't perfect. One of the best things and the things that got me closer to my mother is realizing and stop blaming my mom for the stuff that she messed up on. Because guess what? She's she was just trying to figure out life the same way I am now. And that mm-hmm. helped us be closer. So so embrace uh, realizing that toxic toxic nature nature can do nothing can sometimes close in that relationship so you have to be honest with it and i believe in bursting the bubble i don't believe in having kids in this in this level in this bubble where we just lie to them about things or we try to shield them from everything or we try to to water it down yeah you want to communicate the message in a way that they can understand it but you also want to be honest with them you want to prepare them for what's really ahead we do so much of this we we hide or lie to them or, or tell them how bad try to hide them from how bad things are and we don't aren't honest with it it's hard out here one of the hardest things you can do in america is be a black man in america and so why aren't we being honest with our sons about that why aren't we giving yeah. that truth why are we not preparing them and giving them the weapons to battle that type of stuff that they're going to have to battle out in the world that's what we need to be doing as parents and i know i've gotten off your original question there but it kind of all leads back you can be honest you can say hey your mama is this. Your mom. Your mama. Your mama is a great person. Your mama is this. She's. She loves the hell out of you. She's never gonna do anything to. That's not gonna make sure that you're good. But. But. 
your, your mama may have this XYZ problem. But I think when you do that, you need to also communicate your problems as well. The things that you're trying to go through as well. So that way it's not like you're bashing the other parent. It's saying, hey, you need to realize me and your mom, me and your dad, we don't have it all together. This is where we are strong at. This is where we're still working on. But this is where, where because we're working on it. Guess what? We can help you work through it as well. Hopefully you won't have that same thing. You got to be honest with it. I think admitting flaws on both sides rather than just putting the highlight on one parent or over the other will help that transition. So absolutely. I totally agree with that. And, and one of the things that I also wanted to point out, too, when it comes to bettering the co-parent or the blended family aspect of um, our relationships, there is something very important that I want to impress upon men that they should keep in mind when they are single working on themselves. It is the absolute best idea in the world to also work on your co-parenting issues with your baby's mother while you're single. It is the easiest process in the world to work on a relationship with a woman while another woman isn't present. There is a possibility that your baby's mother is going to be affected by the other woman's presence because she may have feel she may have felt that you could have possibly slighted or may have mistreated or done some things to her that she just can't accept. So, of course, while you're single and you're saying that you're working on yourself, your baby mother is very much a piece of yourself. Why not say, well, look, I'm interested in possibly moving on, but I would definitely like for us to have a better relationship. So while I am single. I want to work on us being friends. Let's still hang out and get to know how to be around each other on a platonic level. Men never do that. Like they'll get the new girlfriend and then try to figure out a way to introduce the girlfriend to the baby mama. It's a process. You know what I'm saying? And I think also kids can appreciate that more, too, because even when you and the mother don't get along, the kid is still seeing you making the attempts to get along and create a peaceful connection to his mother to his parent that he values and adores like i'm sure most boys do their mothers like i think men need to take advantage of not just doing their own things when they're in their single modes and they're doing whatever they do like that is the perfect time to mend the fences have a better grade of communication um, understand what possibly went wrong before you transition into a new relationship and then also talk about how you feel about potentially moving on while she's still in the picture so that she can adjust to you being in a relationship as well. It's like it's a process that I think men need to seriously consider when we mature and we get to these points where we want real love because this is where the crisis come in. We don't damage control anything to make sure that our bases are covered before we move on. And we know how women are going to respond to being slighted, period. I, I was just going to wanted to point out just because of like my situation. I think, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I want, I want to make sure I point that I'm not disagreeing with anything you said. If But some of those problems with a baby mama don't pop up or don't even rear their head until you get into another situation. And just to, to mm. shed light on my situation, my my situation with my ex, had I not gotten married, I think we would have had the 110 percent best co-parenting relationship ever. But her own issues didn't I don't think would didn't arise until my wife was in the picture. You, you, you kind of understand that she had yeah, no issue yeah. with me. With me as a person, with me as a father, with me as even an ex. 
her problems didn't come up until she saw me happy with someone else. And so, yeah, it's good to do damage control and all. But some people don't even won't even realize where they will be mentally until they're put in that situation. And I think that that's where the man. You know, I, I, I never shy away from putting the onus on men is that that's where men need to take control of their situation. You're the only in between between an ex and your current. Right. That, that whatever binds them together is you. If you are doing a good job at your leadership which we should be doing you can you can fix that situation sometimes you need to be sit down maybe with your ex and say look this is what it is this is the person i'm with i'm getting married xyz um and not to like say you got just got to deal with it but then to say all right now how do we proceed forward with this i can honestly say i wasn't mature enough at the time to have that i i tried to avoid and, and avoid the drama and it kind of made it get worse but looking back now i wish i would have had that sit down and been like look this is my wife you are my son's mother that can never be taken away from you but this is still my wife you will respect her as my wife she will respect you as my son's mother let's cut out all the extraness um and so it's important that if that to to do that it's important to sit down and to have even if you can't get all three parties to sit down to sit down and establish what you will and won't allow as the man as the leader and then do what you can to make everyone else feel comfortable with what it is you have to be again a leader and a servant you have to serve certain ways your wife and your baby mom and that may sound weird is that you have to serve her but you do that's still someone that you have to co-parent with that's still someone that you're attached to forever and a lot of people will feel like oh i don't want to do that because i'm worried about how my wife will take it well i get that to a certain extent but at the same time you have to now realize that you are in a what they say is a mixed family and the common denominator in that mixed family is you if you aren't prepared mentally for that burden then you have to get yourself prepared really quick really quick and honestly because if the if and we don't want to paint every baby mama in a situation where there's always friction between a baby mama and a wife because that listen i, I don't even know if that's the norm or not I, I don't want to say what's more normal or not but at the same time you have to be willing to be that that head of that of that now mixed family to be like all right this is what i need to do to make sure every party in this is cool because ultimately the three of you now your happiness or how you guys co-mingle or whatever all trickles down to that kid and at the end of the day if all three of you guys love and are focused on what's best for the child then it should be then it, it, hopefully everybody will be mature enough to make sure that the kid has enough is in the situation to where they can get all the love and can flourish the the, the best way that they can i get that yep i i really do understand that i think um ultimately what most people in your case they don't have the opportunities to have that conversation like because like you said it's like sometimes you don't um you don't really establish an issue until you finally see this person has completely moved on but um one of the things that i've noticed in how i communicate is i always think about my piece first like i don't really think about the position of the person i think about my piece first like um what happens if I'm thrown off. I'm emotionally, you know, all over the place. And then my peace begins to shift. Typically, when you put yourself and you prioritize like we spoke on in our very first episode, we have to make sure that we understand how we feel about everybody involved. And 
sometimes that's a difficult thing because you're still trying to move forward with your new circumstance and situation while you're still trying to figure the baby mama issues out. And whether we notice or not, when we deal with co-parenting issues, it's still kind of like an emotional piece in there that deals with your relationship. And even though you try not to pay it any attention because you feel like it's disrespectful to your current relationship, you still kind of have to like do that, that work to sort those things out because you want people to get the closure that they need for the peace that you're trying to, you know, impress upon them and moving forward. But again, like you said, it's, it's kind of difficult when that woman doesn't really understand what she's like beefing with you about until you finally move on. And maybe that's that vulnerability that they experience when they least expect it. And we need to prepare as men for those moments, too, of like not necessarily knowing if she's going to come out her bag. Like, how do you how would you go about like preparing for something like that? Whereas you don't know if it's going to happen, but you need to have some things in place just in case it does. I think the thing is to have the, the only thing that you can control is you. Right. So you have to prepare yourself for every and each outcome. And that's something that I've learned is that you can think all day how somebody's going to react. And you may be right. But you may be wrong. So what do you do? You prepare for all outcomes. You have to make sure that and that and that's where kind of our last episode that we that we did together on this podcast was referencing. You have to you have to put yourself first sometimes. And by that, I mean, before you can worry about what anybody else can do, are you even prepared for what may come? If you're not mentally prepared for it, then it doesn't really matter what they do. If you're not if if you're not right, if you're not in the place to where you can handle things like that, it doesn't matter what else somebody else does, because you're not ready regardless. Even if you can predict it or whatever, you're not ready. Um, so you have to get yourself in a place. And that and that's where it, it becomes about. About self and, you know, what you will and won't allow, but also what you're willing to give and not give, because we we will think so much about what we need for our peace. But are you also willing to give that? So somebody, what can you give? So someone else can have their peace in dealing with you. And that's the difficult thing for me. I, I'll just be transparent is that I, I often, because I'm not the most emotional person, I'm not the most, you know, I, I don't get to that place. I don't look at everything emotionally. I try to look at it more uh, logically than, than emotionally. And it makes me miss certain things. So because I'm not the most emotional person, Oftentimes, if you come to me with emotional stuff, I'm, I miss it. And it's not because I don't care. It's not because that I don't want to understand. It's just because the way that I process stuff isn't emotions first. So now I have to sit back and I have to take and I have to think and put myself in that, those shoes and situations. And you have to get yourself prepared to do for, for what you, for what's to come. I know I kind of talked all over that, but I, overall, it's like really it truly becomes about. It becomes about your your leadership. It becomes about your standards. It becomes about your pride. It becomes about your, your care for your family. Um, and once you start putting those things forward and realizing that some of the stuff to, to love your family, sometimes that means that even if you feel that you're right, you have to step back and realize, all right, that doesn't mean I'm wrong, but this is what I have to do for happiness. And that's, that's not a bad thing sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, um, I think we actually create peace by doing that you know like not necessarily having to be right but just allowing somebody to experience 
um, their own decisions while we're present and we're not rejecting those experiences. We're actually encouraging, you know, her to see the outcome, even if you end up right, like allow her to make that decision so that she can learn that lesson for herself versus you forcing it upon her because she'll appreciate it a lot more, you know, but yeah, man, I think, man, we, we did it again. You know, we, we came with something (laughs) solid and I knew exactly who to talk to when I came to this idea. So I I think we scored another one. (laughs) This was really good. And I really appreciate, like, I appreciate anytime we get to kick it because this is our conversation. Like people don't, get to see us like you know behind the scenes as much we we do our respective things but this is how we talk and we always come with something powerful and then something else to come and then we do it all over again so this was really dope i appreciate you bro bro any any literally anytime man i um i gotta get you on the waking soul solo i know we do our unruly thing once a month but i got a concept that i'm working on that when i tell you when i drop this on you you're gonna be like once you hear the next two episodes of the waking soul you i think you you already gonna know where i'm going because i know how your brain works but oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah it's, it's dope and listeners tell people talk daily to show the fuck up so I can get her on an episode by her damn self. Like this is the this is one of the hardest people to nail down for five to ten minutes to even an hour without her figuring out fifty things to do in that hour. I need her for an episode, and I've had this episode written for about two years, <laughs> and I have yet to get her to sit down and record with me. For this fucking episode. So y'all tell her bald head ass when y'all get on her timeline <laughs> to sit down for an hour and record with her fucking brother. This is ridiculous. You have to catch her in Atlanta, bro. Like, seriously, you're going to have to just literally just <laughs> pop up the roadcast in the mic and just be like, oh, no, you talking. Like, you're not going nowhere. You have to pull up on her, man. Man, Avery is, Avery is the busybody. Like, I, you know, and I love it because she's actually doing shit for real like she's for real like moving around and really taking care of business but it's just like damn you just can't believe that a person has that much activity in their life you know but shit i know i'm busy but like avery is on a different like i honestly i i look we're gonna find out in like two or three years that what avery did was actually she cloned herself and there's actually two of her running around because I, I refuse to believe that one person's that, doing all that. Man. Like she, got a, she got a twin around here we don't know about, bro. I swear to God. And, man, and that that grandbaby going to make it worse. That grandbaby going to have her on 10,000 out here. But, you know, oh, that's yeah. my sister. Shouts out to People Talk Daily and Soul of a Hustler. Tell her to bring her ass on Change the Subject. But, again, um, this is another one of those duo shows from your two favorite break boys, BJ and CEO Hayes. Um, we try to we try to bring these kind of conversations just to encourage men to do better because we want uh we want to empower change. So that's all we do here. We just bring out interesting points and perspectives and let you kind of sort them out for yourself. So hopefully you guys enjoy them. But um, I'm going to let my brother give his social media info. I know most of you already follow him, but for any new listeners, just in case there are some that um are just tuning in to the show at this particular point i want him to be able to be connected with so go ahead and give your social media bro 
You can follow me at CEO Hayes. That's C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. Uh, make sure you go and follow the Breaks Media as well and go check out the Breaks Media Network dot com where you can find this lovely podcast change the subject and a bunch of other podcasts that are all black and beautiful <laughs> right um we do have so many um great shows for you guys to um tune into so hopefully you'll get in tune but this has been another episode of change the subject again if you would like to follow bj you can follow me at dergo bj that is d-e-r-g-o-b-j on twitter you can also follow my show which can be found on instagram at the subject change um any comments questions anything that you would like to uh get to me you can send me a dm on either of those platforms but i also have an email which is changed subject at gmail.com you can send me an email um any kind of feedback is definitely appreciated and lastly um any ratings and reviews and comments that you would like to leave on the show to tell us how I'm doing, because it's very important to me and breaks media that we know what kind of progressions we're making. So if you get a few minutes, take the time out and leave us a rating and tell us how the show is on Apple podcast. That is extremely important. We're trying to push the culture forward. So we need to be pushed in front of the other shows that they suggest in their algorithms so that we can be reached a little bit more quicker and efficiently. So I greatly appreciate you guys for listening. This has concluded episode 16 of change the subject. I'll see you guys again in two weeks. Peace and blessings. Peace.